Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our Lockdown Project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits and today I am talking to my dear friend and colleague Katie Owen. Hello. Hello Emma Rice. (laughs) Hello. Um, First of all tell me how your lockdown's going. Um, I am well my hands are peeling from <laughs> from the excessive amounts of bleach I've been pouring over things and um I'm not I'm not I like my own company actually but um everything in moderation and this is this is obscene I've got my animal friends for company and um I've got radio four but it this isn't suiting me at all at all <laughs> and where are at you all. paint me a picture I'm in South Wales in Cardiff I am currently sat um in the lounge, there will be some animal interaction at some point, How which I, I won't be able to got? control. Um, two cats and a dog. Lovely. Um, little little cat is a tiny little pygmy cat who was found under a bonfire and has never grown properly with facial burns. <laughs> and we've got little one who is a ginger tom cat. And then we've got Jim, who is a golden doodle. <laughs> Okay, so that's the, that's the full family. They'll be popping in and out um, throughout this conversation, no doubt. Oh, and given that we're having virtual tea and biscuits, what is your biscuit of choice today? It's a Garibaldi, the king of biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Very popular with those in um, in care homes and and elsewhere. What's your biscuit of choice? Well, today I'm going fancy. I'm going to have a Viennese twirl. <laughs> you know those ones it, that are like um like cigars that you can pretend to smoke and eat. Ah. Okay, where was that? Where did you uh, procure that? Marks and Spencers. No, just in my mind, Katie. Just oh, oh it's <laughs> mine are real. They're real oh. biscuits. Are yours imaginary biscuits? Mine are just imaginary. It's that tragic here. It's oh. that tragic. Um, oh, times are hard. They are. They are. Now, um, so like. Um, everybody else, I've asked you to choose three bits of music and I don't know why you've chosen them, but let's kick off with your first choice. Would you like to tell us why you chose this and what's the story behind it? Okay, I don't like saying the title because it sounds funny in my voice, but never mind. Um, This is one of my favourite songs. It makes me feel very happy. It's by The Carpenters. It's called Jambalaya on the Bio and it's sung by Karen Carpenter and accompanied. she's accompanied by her brother Richard um, who plays the maracas throughout, which is... Uh, and it just makes me very happy. I mean, how can a song about eating a sort of Cajun-spiced rice dish by the edge of a river not make you happy, sung by a brother and a sister, who um, some say were, were closer than they should have been? <laughs> <laughs> how can that not make you happy? How can that not make you happy? Come on, what more do you want from a song? Well, but I, every time I hear this, it makes me smile. It really does. I'd have never associated you with the carpenter, so I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> OK, here we go. Pan pipes. <laughs> A 
I feel like I'm at a family wedding. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? It's just a very beautiful, beautiful, happy song. And I think all of my choices are happy because, it, you know, I've got plenty of songs that make me sad or make me cry. But now's not the time. It's not the time or the place, is it, really? Fair Come enough. On. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a moment to reminisce because it's all we can do at the moment. Yeah. So um, I thought I wanted to talk about the first time I met you because given that, Lots of you will know that I've worked with Katie. From the moment I met her, I've worked with her 
every time that it's been humanly possible. And it's usually a, a, a term that men use about women through history. But I think Katie Owen is my muse and I <laughs> love working with her and I can't really bear not working with her. But it's a lesser known fact that when I first auditioned you, I didn't give oh, you the God. job, did I? No, you didn't. You turned me down. I did. <laughs> I'm not surprised given what I presented at that audition. Um, I can't say it was my finest hour, but um, well, actually, some of it was. I mean, it was a it was a heady mix of um, glory and utter failure, utter chronic failure on the ukulele by me. <laughs> I don't remember the ukulele. It was oh. for uh, the show. Wise, um, no, God, I've. I've, my brain scrambled Wild Bride mm. um, and I was auditioning for the part of the youngest woman which I gave to the brilliant Audrey Brisson um, but I met you and it was not well, I mean she, she is brilliant she is she, she is, is she brilliant. is brilliant and it was I the mean... right casting for that show but I could not get you out of my mind because you auditioned for me you did um, a, a small version of King Lear with three finger puppet mice as the three <laughs> sisters. And I seem to remember that either Goneril or Regan was a drug addict. It was the most weird thing I have ever seen. But it was mm. a brilliant audition. And I kept thinking, I can't believe that I've met this incredible woman and I haven't given her the part. So I had you in the back of my head and I kept thinking, I've got to find the moment to work with Katie. And the first time we worked together was on Rebecca. Mm, it was, yeah. Which was like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah. And I gave I mean, you two of the smallest roles in theatre history. You were playing Ben and mm -hmm. Robert. So two mm. boys. Um, and Robert um, was the servant boy. Who I How many lines did you have in the original script? I had three and I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what they were? It was something like, yes, I do actually. It was, um, I had to, the phone rang and I ran down the stairs and I had to answer the phone and say, hello, this is Mandalay, Robert Tompkins speaking. And that was two of the three in the whole play, which lasted about nine hours. <laughs> I was like, no, this isn't going to wash. I'm going to have to make this part bigger. What am I going to do? So um, I improvised, didn't I? I? I made up that it was my mother calling. Um, no, it was a, a lady calling and I would talk about my mother's menopause. <laughs> and it was amazing. So um, you did have another part, which was also not a massive part. But Rob mm. in particular had three lines of which Katie's already given you two. And I, I, I can't say it any other way. You stole the show with this young servant boy. You had this long... Um, founded relationship with the person on the other side of the phone. You were so rude. Um, you, you improvised a different ailment for the person on the end of the phone every day, and it got oh. ruder and ruder. And my heart rate would go up because I'd think, what on earth is Katie going to say today, and will she say it in front of an audience? And, and that continues to this day, given that I've just said you're my muse. You terrify me because you never know what you're going to do, and that's what's brilliant about you, but also really bloody scary. Um, but you were just amazing as Robert. Oh, thanks, mate. Absolutely amazing. And Still didn't get the part in Wild Bride, though, did I? So uh... No, I know, you'll never forgive me for that. No, well, I mean, I can't, I'm not I'm not a strong singer and, and Brisson's got, got the rhythm stick, hasn't she? So she fair deeds to her. Singing and dancing, which we'll come to later, but it's not the things you love most in my process, is it? Oh, yeah, no, 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 it's not, it's not for me. I hide at the back and... Uh, <laughs> Until you 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 often mock me. What did you call me last time when we were doing um, 
what we're doing this weird it was 12th night and we had to do this shipwreck sequence and it involved us all dressed as sailors rolling across the floor and you told me you were like all right peanut bausch doing this sort of ridiculous flailing about like a beached whale on the floor while everyone else sort of looked elegant and uh, well they are they're movement people you know so let them do it oh you're magnificent and peanut bausch is no insult so you know have that but no memory... but i don't think you meant it i don't think you meant it <laughs> <laughs> my memory of you playing Robert, though, is do you remember? I can't even remember what song it was because we haven't got any archive of it. But there was, we used lots of shanties throughout Rebecca. And the one that we, mm. we sang in the interval, you improvised a dance which involved solely of you jumping up and down in the air as high as you possibly could. Yeah. And it was miraculous. And when you did it in rehearsals, we were just, our jaws were on the floor and it stayed in, didn't it? It was just a mm. jumping solo. I don't know why I can, but I can jump really high for a for a lady of a, a you know, with short legs and a, a small frame. I, I just can't. I can jump. I mean, it's a it's a useless skill, and now and again there's a window for it, and that was the window, and I jumped right through it. So you know, <laughs> the jumping no, servant. Nobody who saw the Robert the jumping servant could ever forget him. Which, given that it was a pretty much a. a named unnamed part it was just amazing so as a little memory of rebecca we found one of the shanties not sung by the company but sung by some chaps of yore i guess it's time for us to go and it's time for us to leave her Leave Johnny, leave Oh, leave Johnny, leave Oh, the voyage is done and the winds don't blow. And it's don't expect me to join in, mate. <laughs> you know my rules. <laughs> Well, that's enough of that. It was good. It's good to remember that show. Though there was loads of amazing stuff in it, but it was um, it was a dark story, wasn't it? It was a very dark story. It was it was quite depressing. I know. In 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 certain, yeah, yeah, and it went on and on and on. It was a long tour. It was a year, wasn't it? On and off. It was. It was. And we had to wear these big, sort of enormous, heavy sewesters, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> Ridiculous. Well, and we were all different shapes and sizes. I mean, it was so. <laughs> so ridiculous that we were supposed to be these fishermen and there was tiny little midget me in, in one corner and massive Andy Williams looking like a proper seafaring <clears throat> bloke in the other it holds a special place in my heart genuinely because it was when we met and um, it, the, the beginning of our journey started um, oh I know me too mate I mean really honestly that show was the, the a turning point for me I thought oh god finally someone who actually gets me and will let me do my nonsense and not just say it's nonsense so it was it was very special to me as well and we've been working together ever since haven't we we have um what's your next song and tell us why um oh okay my next one is <laughs> Oh dear, you're choosing all classy things, and I'm. <laughs> but I'm lowbrow, babes. So that's me. I'm lowbrow. Um, this is Black Lace, and it's Superman, and it is a song that reminds me of my childhood very much. It's, it's dear to me this song because in South Wales, whatever occasion it is, if it's a funeral, a wedding, a christening, a birthday, a holy communion, whatever it is, 
we always used to go to the working men's clubs, you'd hire the function room, and you'd have a beige buffet and a DJ, even at a funeral. And um, this song would come on, and I was the youngest child in my family. My brother and sister are a lot, lot older than me. Uh, 21 years between me and my sister and 15 between me and my brother. So I was the only kid at these functions. And when this song would come on, I would tear around the dance floor and I'd be high on orange pop. My fringe would be stuck to my forehead with, with sweat. I had a little bowl cut. And I would just run. I wouldn't do any of the actions. I'd run up and down across the dance floor. And my mother would shout from the corner, KG, stop showing off. Sit down. <laughs> Kiki, someone grab her. <laughs> and I just, well, I love this song. I loved it. And it's so evocative. I wouldn't do any of the actions. If you're going to do it, love, do the actions, she'd say. But I'd just be running, running up and down. And um, I, I love it. This song fills my heart with joy. And also, if you want a little treat, go on Top of the Pops archive. Look up the video for it of Black Lace doing it live in 1983. It's one of the funniest things. It's you know, it's a, such a ridiculous song. And the actions that he asks you to do, ski, spray, hitch a ride, comb your hair. And you'll see them doing it live on top of the pops and all these very serious dancers um, doing it with no irony whatsoever. <laughs> these ridiculous moves. And it, it always cheers me, this song. So, that, yeah, Black Lace. Immediately strong, isn't it? Clap your hands. Here we go. Clap your hands. We're involved. <laughs> Sleep. Wave your hands. <laughs> Hit your ride. Hit your ride. Sleep. Go for a walk. <laughs> Let's see you swim. Macho man. Sound your horn. Sound your horn. Ring the bell. Okay. Kiss. Move your hand. Wave your hand. Come on, wave your hands. Super.
just imagine it, Katie, because even as... Well, when I first worked with you, you you are unlike any other person I've ever met, let alone actor. And you do have more energy than anybody I've ever met in my life. And I can remember I used to sometimes say, go for a run, go out, burn it off. So I can really imagine that as a kid, you going absolutely nutty to that. Well, I mean, it's it's not any different now. If that comes on, it's just that the, the drink would probably be something alcoholic now, you know, a, a beer or something, a pale ale, a craft beer. That's that's all the rage nowadays, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, this song, I, I just think you, you're immediately in. He's immediately giving you the instructions and it just gets better and better and better. And you get the hang of it and then he says, OK, now we're going to go faster. And you're like, yeah, we're going to go faster. <laughs> I don't know, it just... It's it's simple, isn't it? There's nothing challenging. Everyone can do it. You know, you, you can do it sat down. So that's a good it, motto it's, for it's you. Let's for do everyone. it faster. You you've got so much energy. You're so such a engine of a human being. I'm going to talk about nine four six, which is um, a show I made with my beloved Knee High, and it was an adaptation of a Michael Morpurgo book called The Amazing Story of Adolphus Tips which is about a little girl in the war who loved her cat more than anything, who went missing. And I cast you. How old were you when you were cast in this role? 47. <laughs> you were not 47. How old were you? Um, oh, how many years ago was it? Um, I think I was 27. OK, let's go for that. I think you might have been older, but anyway. No, I was. I was. I wasn't. I wasn't because I'm 37. I wasn't 10 years ago. No, I wasn't. I think you're in your 30s. <clears throat> I think I was. I think I was 31. Anyway, I was 31. It was six years ago. A, a mature 31. woman playing a 12-year-old girl, but you inhabited the role of Lily um, com- completely, didn't you? <laughs> and she had. I, I'm going to make you talk about it, but she she had a slight. Uh, attitude issues, Lily. She's mm-hmm. a very um, mindful um, girl, not sentimental at all, which I feel had some um, references to you and your natural personality, but also the connection to her cat, which also chimes with your experience. Tell me yeah. about it. Um, when Don't get too sad, though. I won't get sad. I had a cat and her name was Boo and she was Siamese and I loved her. I really, really, really believe that in connections with animals i'm a massive animal lover and i think you can love them as much as 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 you can love people i think there's and often it it can be a deeper relationship because it's a wordless relationship and and i adored this cat she was my best friend and she's tattooed on my arm now actually um but she was hit by a car and killed when we were actually when we were doing a midsummer night's dream at the globe i think you remember because i think i rang you at midnight in tears screaming down the phone at you and um you were very very is one of my well this isn't a too sad a thing to say you were amazing to me that day I think you drove all the way back from Bristol to London and you sat with me we had two shows to get through we had a matinee and an evening show of a midsummer night's dream and you sat with me for the whole day and got me through it and I've never forgotten that and thank you very much um Mm. I'm rubbish at saying things like this but you did and I love you for it thank you very much um, but yeah, I, I adored my cat very much. And when we were doing 946, Boo was still very much alive. And and Lily, the little girl in 946, adored her cat, Tips. And the, the whole story is about the cat going missing. And um, but mostly it's about these American GIs who came over and, and found a home in in 
in this little community in Devon and their friendship and this this terrible, terrible incident that happened um, <clears throat> where they all got blown up, an awful incident. And it, it's a beautifully told story written by Mug Morpurgo, which you adapted. And I played Lily and, um, yeah, it was just... I think it was a really special show for me because it was, for me, it was all about my relationship with Boo. I was able to really channel that into it and and it was interesting to play a child without doing this sort of awful twee, kiddie acting. Lily was tough and angry and I thought that was a really nice way to look at a kid rather than sort of tying my hair in bunches and, and skipping about and being all sweet and, and doughy-eyed. I mean, that's a bit really, I mean, cranky, cranky territory, isn't it? Cranky. <laughs> Makes you sort of go, oh, no, 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 no. No offence to, to Jeanette Cranky, who is uh, a very good friend of mine. <laughs> She's not. I did meet her at an airport once, so, and she was wearing... Um, Child's Dr. Martin's tiny, tiny little pink Dr. Martin's boots. Um, anyway, that's that's a, <laughs> that's, a segue. Well, that's a tangent, isn't it? That's a tangent. <laughs> that's a tangent. I, it was just a, it was a really special show for all of us because it was such a brilliant story and it was such a great company. But also, it, you were right at the centre of that show. So as an actor, I feel that having met you in these tiny roles in Rebecca, you really were able to hold a show together and um, display what a fine performer you are and what a technical performer you are, as well as the emotions. And as for oh, Boo, Katie, you know, I came that day because I knew you then and I knew how much Boo meant to you so there was no way I was going to stay away yeah cheers and mate not at all it's a big memory for me as well so mm. I, I've got a big place in my heart for 946 so in um, memory of that beautiful show but also of my dear wild friend Katie Owen this is a song mm. that we did a cover of at the beginning of the show
Born to be wild, like my friend Katie Mary Owen. Um, you mentioned it um, earlier, but we, when I got the job at the Globe, you came mm. with me, and we made um, two shows there. We made um, Midsummer Night's Dream in the first year and Twelfth Night in mm. the second. Um, Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream, Malvolio in um, Twelfth Night. And you were amazing. It was as if you were born to play that stage. Um, but for me, as a director, I feel that um, we discovered it together and you were by my side through the whole experience, um, mm. professional, spiritual, technical, and, as it turned out, emotional, um, and I wanted to talk about that. And I thought, um, but no, tell me first about what it was like performing on that stage. I think it's a, it, lots of actors say it, and it, it, it's totally true. It, it, it's unlike any other theatre because it feels like you're being thrown into a bullring, really, and it's exhilarating. And but you have to know what you're doing because you learn really, really quickly that because there's such a, a huge amount of people in, and they're in daylight normally when the show starts, if it's a matinee, they're in daylight all the way through. And if it's a, an, an evening show, they're in daylight at the beginning and then it goes dark. And um, it, you can see their faces, you can see their facial expressions. And you, you have to be quite disciplined because you can see someone's face looking at you and, and you, you can't take too much notice, if you know what I mean, because somebody could just be looking at you with a, a sort of stunned or disappointed or whatever look it is and you read into it and then you go, oh, God, you lose confidence. And it, they could have that face for any reason. That could be their concentrating face or, uh, you know, so you, you're really vulnerable because you can see everybody's faces and you can feel like you're a rock star um, when, when you're getting it right and you're playing it well. And, and you learn that it really works to deliver a thought to one person and finish the thought with one person. And lots of people will get it then. Whereas if you're constantly splitting your focus and trying to talk to everybody, it, it makes a really sort of diluted and confusing performance so there's a skill to play in it which is really exciting when you get on top of and you go okay I'm I'm on top of my game now I can I can really take this space and it's absolutely thrilling and terrifying and it, it requires you to be really athletic physically mentally and vocally as well because it's, it's hard on your voice um, and you you become like this machine and it's I miss it. I still miss it. I still miss the experience of of being at the Globe when we're in other theatres. It Nothing quite compares to it. It's a really unique experience. I miss it too. I miss... Mm. I feel that... Um, it's why I, I wanted to concentrate on Midsummer Night's Dream because something... It was alchemic, wasn't it, what happened to us? Yeah. When we came out of the rehearsal room, which... Um, which was special, but we didn't... That There's something happens at the Globe with Shakespeare where it does all make sense when you've got that standing group of people. And, I mean, it was a it was an absolute adrenaline rush, wasn't it, when it happened? I mean, it felt like we changed the world for a while. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. And I'm, I, I'll miss it always, not in a sentimental way, but it was, it was phenomenal. I think all of us that were involved in those two seasons and I'm sure everybody else who, who plays the globe it, you'll never forget it never no. forget it um, you I, never I love, forget I love it. hearing I love hearing you talking about acting because you're 
you you're an amazing improviser an amazing comedian and i would say you're a maverick because as i say you keep me on my toes you always say that you get more notes than everybody else don't you <laughs> which is true yeah, it's because i do get more notes than everybody else but it's because you're always pushing it and i'm always having to pull you back and so you're this amazing sort of maverick presence however you're incredibly technical and incredibly rigorous so i love hearing you talking about the the um the physical requirements of a piece and the vocal requirements because i think you're amazing the way that you work technically and then throw yourself loose every night it's really special Oh, cheers. I think that's very much something I've looked... Well, you know, working with you, it it has been that. I, I've felt myself getting... It, it's exciting. It's exciting to get sharp. It's exciting to go, OK, because it's all very well and good being someone that was just... You know, when I first left drama school, I was just a little shouty. I was sparky and I, I had a good... And I was quick-witted. But I didn't know how to use things properly. I didn't know how to use my voice properly I didn't know how to um physically approach stuff and I think you've you've the way you cast things it means that I've been able to play a, a really wide range of characters like the the widest range of characters that I think it it's almost possible to play if you look at the the, the parts that you've given me and so it has made me really think well how the hell am I going to do this like with Malvolio with Puck how the hell am I going to do this with Lily I'm a 30 year old lady with my hair in pigtails skipping around playing a 12 year old girl how do I make that plausible and real um, and and it does require a sharpening of all of those skills and I've had the opportunity to do it and and there's still more and more there's a, there's a long journey ahead with all of that hopefully if we get out oh. of this ridiculous uh gosh don't say that yes yeah and also grandma chance remember you played lily at one end and grandma chance in wise children at the other and and you say that i hadn't thought about it but you know i i love working with um the same people over again if they're the right people and it's so opposite to tv where you're only ever cursed as what you look like you you Mm. can sort of only be what you are and when you do meet somebody like i've met you and and we enjoy each other so much. It's amazing the the ground that you can cover as human beings. And when you describe the the number of characters you've played, that we've it's been such an adventure to explore yeah. all those elements of ourselves and the, the the bit in the middle, which is the imagination, and feeding in our own truths. It's such a privilege, isn't it? It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel very lucky that that. I have met somebody who doesn't think in that sort of linear way. And it, it is quite rare, I think. I think even in theatre, you say, of course, in television, you're going to be cast according to what you look like. But I think in a lot of theatre, it's the same as well. Um, you don't meet many directors who really go, oh, maybe you could do anything, actually. And of course, anyone can do anything. That's exactly what... We shouldn't put those shackles on ourselves. It, it, it's ridiculous. You know, theatre is, is make-believe, so... Why can't anyone play anything as long as they've got some sort of a truth in their minds, a plausibility? That's what I always try to do. I always try and think, who is this person like that I know? Yeah. That's how I always approach something. And if I can find the person it was like with Malvolio, it was like, how the hell am I going to play Malvolio? He's a little pompous bloke. (laughs) <laughs> and and I thought, how am I going to do it? And and then I remembered this primary school teacher uh, with really really thick valleys Welsh accent, um, 
And I just went, ah, oh, that's him. And of course it changed, but I had a base for him that was plausible and true to me. And I went, okay. And, and then you can do it, I think. You get a hook and then you can build on it. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's the power of theatre is that, you know, from, from the making of the work, we say we're all capable of anything. But actually from the watching of the work on a good day, it tells the audience we're all capable of anything. And that means we can be bloody dreadful or the best mm. we can be. It's a really um, wonderful thought, I think. And that's why I still, you know, it's the love of my life theatre. I still believe in it. Um, yeah. we've, we've been um, going through the archives, Katie, so I'm now going to mm. throw you back and here's a little bit of Puck, Katie, at the Globe. Oh, no. The king doth keep his rebels here tonight. Take heed, the queen comes not within his sight. For Oberon is passing Fallon wrath, because that she as her attendant hath a lovely boy stolen from an Indian king. She never had so sweet a changeling. And jealous Oberon would have the child, knight of his train to trace the forest wild. But she perforce withholds the loving boy, crowns him with flowers and makes him all her joy. And now they never meet in grove or green, by fountain clear or spangled starlight sheen. But they do square that all their elves for fear creep into acorn cups and hide them there. Either I mistake your shape and making quite, or else you are that shrewd and knavish sprite. Good Robin, good fellow, are not you he that frights the maidens in the villagery? No! Skim milk! And sometimes a labour in the quern, and bootless make the breathless housewife's churn, and sometimes make the drink to bear no bound. Mislead night wanderers laughing at their harm. Those that hobgoblin call you and sweet pack, you do their work and they shall have good luck. Are not you he? <laughs> oh no, I know what I was doing there. isn't it 
Oh, what were I you know. doing? What was that big laugh in the middle? I think I was ramming a banana into someone's mouth and <laughs> sucking it. <laughs> or something like that. Oh, I was so, like I've had such fun listening to the archive today. It's sort of given me that heady feeling again and remembering what it was like. Um, and, and it does, I mean, that was Stu Barker's music, the underscore, Nandi Bebe playing First Fairy and Katie Owen playing Puck. But there was a, it was rock and roll, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. it was exhilarating here's to that 2016 oh bloody marvelous yeah it was it was a magical time and i don't think i've ever seen an audience respond um quite as strongly as they did to i mean and they did in 12th night as well but i think particularly in seven night's dream it just was a pocket of it felt like exactly what that building and space needed it felt like everything married together and and it just went pop you know it was like it was yeah it was it was really wonderful tell us about your last choice katie Okay, my final choice is <laughs> soft rock. It's the Eagles. Um, <laughs> We've both got a bit soft rock on this, haven't we? <laughs> this is Hotel California. And the reason why I've chosen it, I'm a massive Eagles fan, um, which may surprise you. But I I love I love the Eagles. I, so many of their songs are wonderful and so many of them are very sad. But this is actually... Now, you know I'm not a big fan of singing, Um and I certainly was not hit with the rhythm stick at all. But if I was at a karaoke, um, this is the song I would choose to sing. Mostly because you can sort of get away with slightly just speaking it to the rhythm. But um, I just, every time I hear this song, I just go, oh, I, I absolutely love it. It makes me, um, yeah, this would be my karaoke song of choice, The Eagles.
said, we are all just prisoners here of our own device. And in the master's chambers, they gathered for the feast. They stab it with their stealing eyes, but they just can't kill the beast. Heady soft rock. It's good, isn't it? It's, it's good, really that one. Good. It's really good. Um, you and I like to share a cheese board when we can, don't we? Oh, we love a cheese board. We like a pickled onion. Oh, we do. And that would have been a really good cheese board track to listen to. Pint of ale. We enjoy that, don't we? Yeah. Oh, so we haven't talked about wise children, but you were part of, um, you came with me from the globe, which I thank you enormously for. Um, and came with me to Wise Children on our first show, Wise Children, and we're the amazing grandma chants. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm getting all the thanks, aren't you I? You are Thank getting you all the thanks. That. Well, I'm all sentimental because you. You, all you have to do is sit at home at the moment, don't you, and think about <laughs> wonderful relationships you used to have. <laughs> it sounds like when you say you came with me, it sounds like you you, you sort of pack me up into a little satchel. Well, it was a bit like that. It was such an extreme happening, the globe and me leaving the globe that there was, you know, that I, you know, I'm old enough to think, well, you don't own anybody, and you know, the globe aren't stupid. I imagine they ask you back all the time. I would, um, you know, you took to that space, and it would be no problem if you did. But it was, you know, your loyalty. I, I, I'm very grateful for your loyalty. Let's say that. Um, oh. 
because going into the new chapter with the the people that I love most around me was um, was so brilliant to do that and felt like we all started a new chapter together it was really thrilling and Mm. you're going to be doing Wuthering Heights yes so if we get out of this wretched lockdown we will be doing it again yeah I don't think it's a secret that um, Katie has been cursed amongst other things as Linton (laughs) I, I feel I can't wait to meet him I just cannot wait to meet him Oh, I've been working on his voice. I've got a few ideas I'm going to spin your way, all of which I'll go, no, Katie, no. <laughs> but we'll see, you know, gently, gently. There's negotiation, isn't there, always between us? There is, but I love it. I always, You always come in with strong offers, which is what I want in a performer. It's what I want in a, in a collaborator. So I'm looking forward to the strong offers. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to getting cracking on that one. It'll be... Uh, very exciting. I know, no we'll all be desperate to get off the blocks by the time that happens, won't we? Yeah. Is it going to happen? I mean, is it going to... They're saying, you know, yeah. Well, what yes. Do you think? As far as I know, yes. That's all I can say. But as far mm. as I'm concerned, yes, it is. And I'm, I'm planning. I'm planning for it. So I'm going to say goodbye to Katie Owen. Um, okay, and mate. as a final... Um, this is a bit of memory, really. You will not believe that we've got this. But... Um, because you were talking about it earlier, but Simon actually recorded the curtain call of Midsummer Night's Dream on the open dress rehearsal at the Globe. The first time that in my tenure as artistic director and this show met an audience and you can feel, it's technically all over the place, but you can feel the energy pinging off. It's just amazing. I almost cried when I heard it. So, um, because I will finish the show after this, you're going to hear Nandi Bebe singing, Meow Meow singing, Zubin Vala. There's going to be Bowls in there, which were taught to us by Anka Baal. Shima Mukherjee is on the sitar, and the music is written by Stu Barker, and the rest of the singing is the cast of Midsummer Night's Dream. So, Katie, listen to this and remember one of our many, many happy memories. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks, mate.
If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye. <laughs>